out of this story of Jonah's failure, but yet he does, he still is, ends up being obedient. We see a picture of grace. We see this idea of God's grace extended, not only to the people who are wicked, but also to the person who is considered righteous. God extends his grace in both directions because God isn't just looking at actions. He's looking at our heart. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the How to Say the Bible podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm really glad for the next few minutes that we get to spend together just studying scripture and asking God to open our hearts to understand his purposes in the world and what he's doing among us. So we are in the last session in a series that we've been exploring over the past several weeks called Unveiled. And the idea behind Unveiled is how does knowing Christ actually expand our knowledge of the Old Testament, that when we look at the Old Testament, just in its own right, it is this incredible, rich experience of the stories of God's chosen people. It gives us so much uh, understanding of who God is and how we act as human beings, and that is all well and good. But it actually says in scripture that when we are in Christ, we are like those who are unveiled to the glory of God, that we can experience the fullness of God even more when we know Jesus. And that includes the Old Testament, includes these stories that we might be familiar with. And so we've just been doing a little flyover on several characters of scripture that Jesus himself refers to, or that are are sort of um, brought into the New Testament and expanded in their understanding because of their uh, connection to the New Testament. And so we've gone all the way from Adam through Abraham, Melchizedek, Ruth, we've just been down the road with Moses all the way through. And we're going to wrap up our series today with the book of Jonah. And I'm really excited about this. Personally, Jonah was the very first Bible study that I wrote uh, just about 12 years ago. I actually stepped away from my full-time work as a counselor and took about a six-month break just to see what God was doing. And in that period of time, I dedicated my time to really writing um, a Bible study around Jonah. I just wanted to create an experience where people who maybe didn't study the Bible regularly could have an everyday 15 minutes a day, five days a week kind of experience and really get to the end of it and feel like I understand that book and I understand the context and I understand why it matters for my life. And God has been so good. He used that little Bible study to really bring me into the world of publishing so that I could start writing other books and kind of wrote some trade books, which are just like standard books. And then um, just in God's goodness, he's allowed me to continue to write Bible studies now that go with the books that I'm writing. So Actually, next week, we're going to start a brand new series on my brand new book that releases on May 18th called The Miracle Moment. And I am just so excited that God's given me the opportunity to put together this Bible study. There will be a video series that comes out on Right Now Media. And actually, you can you can access Right Now Media, whether your church uses it or not, for free. Um, if you go to rightnowmedia.org, you can check that out. Great Bible studies from incredible Bible teachers that you can use in your small group, that you can use individually, that you can use as a church. And the Miracle Moment will be one of those Bible studies. But guess what, you guys? You get a little preview because our next series will be a six-week study of the Miracle Moment, really walking through this idea that Jesus is our teacher. 
and his classroom is our life. Meaning the life you're living right now, the relationships you're in, the circumstances you're experiencing, all of that is the living stuff that Jesus uses to teach you about himself, to teach you about the kingdom of God, to teach you about a different perspective on how you can live your life, no matter your circumstances, no matter how difficult the relationships that you can actually live your life with freedom and fullness. And I'm going to be walking you through scripture that really supports this idea that God has designed us to be growing more and more in our ability to love and to forgive and to be courageous and truthful and graceful in those relationships that you're surrounded with even right now as we speak. So we're going to be doing that together starting next week. I'm so excited. But if you guys want to jump in, head over to my website, NicoleUnis.com slash Miracle Moment. We've got some pre-release goodies for you. We've got a really exclusive 30-day coaching group that you get free if you've ordered the book in advance. So I don't want you to miss out on that. So if you haven't done it yet, if you've been holding out now is the time, my friends. NicoleUnis.com slash Miracle Moment. We'll put that in the show notes as well. I want you guys to, to be there with me. Hey, a few of you have written in some reviews, and I'm so grateful. It's a great connection to be with you, to know you a little bit in this way. You guys um, are, are giving me the kind of feedback that helps me a lot when you go in and leave reviews on your favorite podcast app. And I just love some of them that have come in recently. I just want to share one from Betty May. She says, thank you so much for your Bible studies. I know that the Lord is speaking through you. I am not one who grew up with the Lord's teachings. This is helping me to walk toward heaven's gates. Betty, the way you said that just made my heart so full. I just want to remind you guys, if you grew up in the church, if you maybe have been around the Bible and you kind of found yourself straying in your back, it is such a gift. I know that we have church hurt and struggles when we grow up in the church, but if you haven't grown up in the church, I just want you to imagine if all these stories are new to you and you didn't have that experience as a child. And really what we're doing here is just creating a space where it's okay to know a lot about the Bible and it's okay to not know a lot about the Bible, that we can all be students together. And that even if you're hearing a story for the first time, God's going to meet you in it. If you're hearing a story for the 200th time, God can still meet you in new ways in it. And so that's my hope for today as we spend a few minutes in the book of Jonah. So I hope you've read it. If you hadn't, if you haven't, you might even want to pause this podcast, grab a free Bible app. You can listen to someone read it to you. You can go to your Bible and read it. I would love for you to read it before we have this conversation, just because it gives you a sense of like the actual narrative. Just like the book of Ruth, Jonah is a beautifully designed literary piece. And so um, I don't want you to miss the goodness of just understanding the story. It is really hard to pull out principles and to get to application when you don't actually have the story, the narrative in your mind. So I want to encourage you to get that narrative. I'm going to try to give it to you as best as I, as I can in just a few minutes when we go to our live method question one, what does it say? So because of this book being so um, 
condensed. Every little piece matters. And so I'm going to try to give you a quick overview of the book. You could read the whole thing in 15 minutes. But um, without that time, if you have it, let me just give you a quick scan. Okay, so in chapter one, what happens is we know there's a prophet of God, which is an Israelite. His, His job, his role is to speak the message of God. His name is Jonah. And basically, God calls him and says, I need you to go to Nineveh. And here's what I need you to know about Nineveh. Like, I want you to think of the person that you least want to talk to right now. I want you to think of the place in the world that you would least like to be. Just combine all that, times it by 100. You can go find out all about Nineveh by reading your study notes, by reading your book introductions. Basically, it's a really hard call. God is like... Calling Jonah to do something that is the antithesis of what Jonah would want to do. And Jonah's like, nope, he does not want to go. He is not going to Nineveh. And so he decides he's going to run from God and he tries to jump on a ship going as far the other direction as he possibly can go. But because we know that God is sovereign, a huge storm comes up against this ship. Everyone is fearing their life. Eventually, the people who do not know God, the sailors who do not know the God that Jonah knows is like, who is this God? Like, What is happening? And they cast lots, which is kind of like they throw dice and they're asking the question, has someone brought this calamity upon us? And as they throw these dice, the dice bring up Jonah's name. And they look at Jonah like, who's your God? What's going on? And so Jonah is kind of being assaulted by the idea that he cannot outrun God. That even when he tries to go as far away from God as he can, God is still there. And so finally, Jonah just surrenders himself. And in order to save the other sailors, he's like, you've got to throw me overboard because I'm the problem. Like I'm running from my God, the God of the Hebrews, like this God who made the sea and the land, which would have been really unusual at the time because gods were like gods over certain things. That's how people understood God. So there's like the God of the of fertility. There's the God of the cross. There's all these different gods, but Jonah's like, Hey, my God is the God who like made everything. So you better throw me over because I'm the problem. So to his credit, Jonah sacrifices himself because he knows that it is his fault that this problem has come upon these sailors. And so they throw Jonah over and it gets calm. And the men realize that God, I mean, this is what's so incredible is like Jonah's gone and they're like worshiping God because they realize that God is this all powerful being who has control over the sea, the land, but also is very personally involved in this one man's life. So all that happens, and then we get to Jonah 2, and Jonah has been swallowed by a whale. Now, this often really hangs people up, which I find really strange, because I'm like, you're okay with the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, but the idea that a whale would swallow a man and keep him alive for three days, somehow that's not okay? Like, I just... I'm kind of like, hey, if you have a problem with miracles, you might want to start with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then move back from there. So for me, I don't really struggle with the idea that God can apprehend and use his creation to do things that we ourselves feel like are impossible. And that's basically what happens is is Jonah is thrown over into the sea. A whale swallows him up. He's in this whale. And we don't know how long, oh, but we know he was in there for three days, but we don't know how long he was in there before he surrendered to God. But we do know that he surrendered to God. And so sometime in those moments, Jonah prays 
And he says, basically, what I know is true. Salvation belongs to God. And he realizes, I want to be obedient to what God's called me to do. And it says that the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah out. He landed on land. Jonah goes to Nineveh, as he was called to do. And much to his chagrin, the Ninevites actually listen. Jonah proclaims who God is and they listen. Now, a lot of us are like, why would Jonah be upset by that? But that's again, we're missing the idea. I want you to think of a person. If you have someone that you have enmity with right now, if you have someone that is like an enemy to you, if you have a people group, it's actually pretty easy right now in 2021, guys. Think of a people group that you're like, I cannot stand those people. I mean, there's this is such a divisive time. Chances are, if you're honest with yourself, there's probably a group of people that you really don't like or a place or a location that you don't like. And I want you to imagine that Nineveh was an evil city that was committing atrocities against their own people as well as the Israelites. So like Jonah had a lot of reasons to not like them. So even when the Ninevites start turning toward God, Jonah cannot get his heart there. That's what happens in chapter three is that the Ninevites actually do um, sort of confess. And when Jonah brings the message of like destruction is going to come to you, they actually do confess. They surrender to God and God relents. He does not bring the punishment upon them that he said he would. And Jonah gets mad in chapter four. He's just mad that God is merciful. And so God brings him through this little living experience. God gives him mercy and then takes it away. You guys can go read it in chapter four. I'm not going to give it all away for you because my real hope is that you would go to the Bible yourself. And so God gives him mercy and then takes it away. And he's like, hey, why are you upset that I'm a gracious God? And it's just like sort of an, an ending of the story. We don't know what happens next with Jonah. We just know that this God who has pursued him, pursued him when he ran, pursued him in the sea, pursued him after his prayer, God continues to pursue. And he continues to teach Jonah about this wonderful and mysterious and majestic thing we call grace that Jonah himself has experienced, but is having a hard time allowing others to experience. That's the story of Jonah. Question one, what does it say? Question two, what's the backstory? Why does it matter for us in this particular series? Jesus himself does something very strange in the book of Matthew. He actually refers to Jonah, just the story of Jonah, as the sign of Jonah. So people are coming to Jesus and saying, we're going to want to hear from, we want to like, can you give us a sign that you are who you say you are? I believe this is in Matthew Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus is like, no sign's going to be given to you. Meanwhile, don't forget, Jesus has been performing miracles left and right, yet people keep saying, can you give us a sign? And so Jesus says, hey, no sign is going to be given to you except, and then he calls it the sign of Jonah. He says, the only sign that you're going to be given, this is Matthew 12, starts in verse 39. And he says, nothing is going to be given to you except for the sign of Jonah. And he goes on and says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so the son of man will also be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he goes on, and this really would have gotten people going. Verse 41, he says, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So here we have this wandering prophet who has a really hard time apprehending God's grace. And yet Jesus takes the story 
and he uses it as a metaphor to describe who he really is. And he calls it the sign of Jonah, that they're going to be able to experience this sign again. So when we think about this idea, Jonah sacrifices himself for the sake of the sailors. Jesus sacrifices himself for the sake of the whole world. When Jonah is in the belly of the fish, he is able to say one of these couple of like majestic statements that come out of Jonah's prayer that are just so good um, in here. And one of them is this. It's in this is Jonah chapter two, verse eight. I'll read you eight and nine. This is what Jonah is saying when he's in the belly of the whale that he's realized those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And here we have in this little narrative, this little strange narrative, this guy who's trying to follow after God doesn't like that God is merciful and graceful and he's reaching everyone, even the people we don't like. He doesn't like any of that. But he realizes that he has to surrender his life to the ways of God. And in that belly of the fish, he's able to make these beautiful statements about what salvation really means. And he's like, the only people, those who cling to worthless idols will forfeit the grace that is theirs. And he's like, the only people who are going to miss out on this grace are any of us who hold on to anything other than Jesus. And he goes on and says, I know now salvation belongs to the Lord. There's no other place to be saved. And out of this story of Jonah's just failure, but yet he does, he still is, ends up being obedient. We see a picture of grace. We see this idea of God's grace extended, not only to the people who are wicked, but also to the person who is considered righteous. God extends his grace in both directions because God isn't just looking at actions. He's looking at our heart. And there are times in the story of Jonah where Jonah's heart is wayward. Jonah's heart is against God and God pursues him with his relentless grace. And there's a whole people group in the story of Jonah whose hearts are against God. And using the, the prophet Jonah, God pursues those people with his relentless grace. And when they're faced with their own mortality, when they're faced with their own consequences, they turn back to God. And so we have this little story in scripture that Jesus himself uses as a metaphor for what he's going to do. And so when we ask ourselves, okay, a live method, what does it mean right now? What does it mean? What are the principles here? And I think the principles are myriad in Jonah. It is so relevant to our time and our culture. We live in such a polarizing, divisive time. And that can look like what you're seeing in your newsfeed and what you're seeing on your social media, but it can also look like what happens at your dinner table around with your family and what's happening with your neighbors and your friends. And into that, God gives us this challenge to say, do you know that I love those people? Those people that you think are against you, I still extend my grace to. And then we ask, what does this mean for me? Well, there's a lot of directions that this can go. And so depending on what you've heard today that stuck out to you, maybe you want to ask yourself, what does this mean for me? Who is my Nineveh? Where is my Nineveh? Who are the people or person or group that God might be asking? Do you know that my grace extends to them as well? 
Now, keep in mind, Jonah still told the truth to the Ninevites, but God knew Jonah's hurt. God knew that Jonah didn't really want them to repent. So I ask you the question, those people that you feel like are against you, do you want them to repent? Do you have love for who they are? Are you willing to put love as your first response? Perhaps the question for you today is around this idea of those who cling to worthless idols will forfeit the grace that is theirs. I love the word forfeit. It reminds me of a kid's soccer game. You show up at the game with your team. The only way that your team loses is when they just don't show up. Like a forfeit means you didn't even come. You didn't even try. You just didn't show up. And I think about this idea, am I showing up for grace? Like, am I clinging so tightly to something that's important to me that I'm not even willing to show up for grace? Because it sounds like Jonah's saying, hey, if you're clinging to things other than grace, you're basically just not showing up on the right playing field. And I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, I want to be on the playing field that is grace. So that might be the, what does it mean for me application for you today? Or perhaps for you, it's about turning to Jesus who says, Hey, Jonah, the sign of Jonah is about me and it's about what I'll do. And a perfectly appropriate response to spending time in God's word is actually just worship, just worshiping God saying, thank you, Jesus, that salvation belongs to you alone. Thank you, God, that at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters in my life is that I know that I'm saved and that I have a place in eternity, God, that you have done the work to allow me because, Jesus, of your sacrifice, because you were willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the whole world, because you became that sign of Jonah as you went into the grave. I myself can live. Thanks, everybody. Can't wait till next week. If you haven't checked it out yet, head on over and check out The Miracle Moment, and we will be back here next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew He was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And He's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.